Radio. To pray is to love. A talk by Jess Leach at the Immaculate Mission School 2013, held at St Thomas Becket Parish at Lewisham, Sydney. So in these two weeks, we are invited to believe that we know why we exist. It's pretty crazy, because most of the time, the world spends its time telling us that, you know, that it's a bit of a mystery. Maybe we exist to love, you know, um, the things that we're given, or to take care of the earth. Maybe we exist for our careers. Um, maybe we exist for building up the society, for progress. Or maybe there's no reason that we exist at all. In fact, whole conferences now are dedicated to the idea that there is no meaning. And yet, here, right now, in this church, for these two weeks, we are invited to believe that we know why we exist. To know God, to love God, and to make God known. And if we're here, it must be because even if only a very little bit, we believe that God really is worth knowing and worth loving. That's because if what the Catholic Church says is true, then each one of us has been created by love and for love. Love poured out on the cross, love that remains here in the tabernacle, Love that is given to us in the Holy Spirit. So we're all we're all different, and we're all in a different place in our journey. But the Lord is calling each of us to discover more deeply what it means to say that we believe what we say we believe. And I can't speak for each of us, but whatever that you're thinking or feeling about God, I ask you to consider this statement. I believe what I say I believe, or we believe what we say we believe. Because if that's true, coming here for two weeks to mission school, it's obvious to spend two weeks with God. Uh, it's even obvious, like the Americans have done, to hop on a plane and fly to the other side of the world to serve at a mission school. It's obvious to have the design and leave behind things in our life that don't lead us to God. It's obvious to them be open to whatever his beautiful plans are. And if, so if we believe that this is at the heart of our lives, then surely your relationship with that God is at the centre. A real, deep and loving relationship. I want to paraphrase the Catechism of the Catholic Church when it says, the mystery of faith requires that the faithful believe in God, celebrate their belief, and that they live from it a vital and personal relationship with the living and true God. This relationship is prayer. Prayer is so essential to the living of our faith that the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which I hope you all know, because it's amazing, the Catechism of the Catholic Church dedicates one of its four sections entirely to prayer. So we're going to start our, our first full day of mission school with prayer. And we'll start every day of mission school with prayer because it's right at the centre. So I want to share this really quickly firstly why 
it is that I love I love prayer so much because I certainly haven't prayed always. And like I said last night, you know, Mother Mary Teresa in her testimony, each of us have come from very different places and are on very different journeys. But we're all heading in the same direction, to the same place. So I was um, someone who went to Mass every Sunday with my family, but we never prayed at home, so I had no experience of prayer. When I left home at 18, I became a lapsed Catholic. Um, for the next six or so years, went to Mass sporadically and really lived in defiance of the teachings of the faith. But a series of unusual events led me to a one-month retreat. Um, it's the one that Lenore mentioned yesterday, the Youth Leaders Formation Course. And on the first night, the leader said she'd pray for us to have open hearts and open minds. And so I prayed that. I prayed, Lord, I prayed for an open heart and an open mind. And I think it was the first real prayer I'd ever prayed. And it completely changed my life with that one prayer. But that wasn't enough because once I had experienced that love of God, I wanted to live for that love and to enter into that love more and more deeply every day. And I knew that that had to start with prayer. It's very simple. The more we pray, the more, even if we don't necessarily always feel it, the more we receive God's love and the more we are able to return that love to Him. And this is what it's all about. Love. I ask you to listen to this teaching through the lens of love. Will this help me to love God more? Will this help me to receive His love more? Will this help me to love others more? How is this growing me in love? So I said that this relationship needs to be real, deep, and loving. Starting with the word real means to be honest, authentic, humble when we pray, to get down to the root of who we are and who God is. This is why the Catechism says that humility is a foundation of prayer. This means that prayer comes from God. He's reaching out to us. It is His gift to us. It doesn't start with us. It starts with Him. Because He thirsts for us. He said this on the cross. I thirst. Jesus thirsts for you. Prayer is the place where our thirst for God meets His thirst for us. All of us are thirsty for God. He made us in His likeness and image. And because of this, He's written on our hearts. Even the most fervent, convicted atheist is truly thirsty for God. We can try to distract ourselves from that thirst. You know, there's, there's money, there's shopping, there's guys, there's, there's hobbies, there's success. We can, we can hold these up as other gods. Or we can waste our time so much that we, we ignore the thirst that's in our hearts. But each of us is thirsty for God. And the way that we discover more and more deeply this thirst is prayer. Because Jesus is the living water. It's not just that he gives us or fills us with living water. He is the living water. And the more we receive him, the more we discover that we need him. 
So it's very simple. This is the prayer box. The more we pray, the more we pray. The more we pray, the more we love to pray. This attitude of humility in our hearts allows us to see prayer as a gift from God and to understand that we need to learn and relearn every day how to pray. No one is the perfect prayer. We don't get to a, a situation where oh, tick, prayer's off the list of Christian, Christian life, I'm, I'm going to be okay. We're learning every day, relearning every day how to pray. So we can approach this mission school wherever we're at, however many times we've prayed or for however many years we've prayed, we can approach it as a totally new experience to learn every day anew how to pray. The poverty that we all have at the heart of prayer comes because God is God and we are not. the Lord, if he hears who we say he is, will we not want to draw close to him, to receive from him, to say, God, I can't, I can't heal these wounds. I can't in my own strength forgive these people. I can't love this person that tests me. But if you are God, then you can give me your healing love. You can show me how to love. You can renew me and strengthen me. And this is really what needs to be deep, real and deep in our prayer. The world can see prayer and God as like a giant slot machine. You know, we put our prayer in, we pull the lever, we bang, out comes the answer. But this is a completely twisted and disordered idea of how God wants to work in us through prayer. Jesus teaches us to pray. And he teaches us to pray from our hearts and for our hearts. He insists on reconciliation with one's brother before presenting an offering on the altar. Love of enemies. Prayer for persecutors. Prayer to the Father in secret. Not heaping up empty phrases. Prayer for forgiveness from the depths of the heart, purity of the heart, and seeking the kingdom of heaven before all else. These are the prayers that should be at the heart of our time with God. Sometimes our faith can be a bit like a layer that we put on, you know, like to put on a coat, maybe on Sundays or around our parents or when we feel like it's the right thing to do. But to pray like this, is to have our faith rooted in the very heart of who we are. And secondly, Jesus teaches us to pray in faith. He says, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Later he says, all things are possible to him who believes. And the disciples respond, Lord, increase our faith. We need to pray in the same way, for faith. Because Jesus tells us to have faith that there can be a true conversion of our hearts and that everything will follow from that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything else will be granted unto you. 
So if there's a true order in the way that we pray, which is the way that we live, to start with that desire for conversion, to start with that desire for life, everything else will flow from that. If we begin our prayer by thinking about the things that we want or, um, you know, things that maybe, um, think maybe a list of things that we, we want to ask the Lord for, and then this tap on the end, conversion of heart, love, you know, there's a disorder in our thinking. Because our first, our first motivation needs to be love and conversion. And from that then, the Lord provides. I was praying the gospel, he says, all the hairs on my head are numbered. That means he knows us intimately and he knows what we need so we can ask him for anything. Anything. And so Jesus teaches us to pray with boldness. I mean, he teaches us to call God our Father. And a little child can ask their Father for anything. We're invited to believe that we know 
is the direction that we're going. We haven't invented the idea of love being the purpose of our lives for mission school. It's not, it's not a, a MacLaren's and Thomas Beckett mission school invention. It's the teaching of the Catholic Church. It's the teaching that was given to Moses by God himself. And it's the teaching that Jesus gave in the Gospel of Mark. He said that the first commandment is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Love must be at the heart of prayer because it must be at the heart of our lives. This is why we start the rosary with that petition. It's the first and most important thing we pray for. And if Jesus said, asking you will receive, shouldn't our, our most constant and consistent request be for that which is most important? To love him and to love others. And even when we're not explicitly praying those words, if we see prayer through the lens of love, we can understand that all of our prayer can be directed in this way. So I'm praying maybe for my family's conversion and healing. That's love. I'm praying to forgive someone. That's love. Even if I'm praying for the right part-time job, that's me saying, Lord, I love you and I want you to guide my life. And I want you to show me how to serve. And I want you to bless me. That's love. love as our motivation. It helps us to see our prayer in a very clear light. We can think of prayer as love. So I'm going off to pray now equals I'm going off to love. How many holy hours I would have spent differently if I thought of this four years ago? How many times I prayed that I would have prayed with more intention greater desire for love if I thought of this. Because it, it clears our motivation, it purifies our motivation. Why am I praying? I'm praying to love. And how inspiring to think about prayer in this way. Duty, which is why we are faithful to prayer, can drive us. But love is the, is the fuel. And with love as our motivation, prayer can become truly God-centered and not me-centered, not self-centered. And I'll be very honest, it's easy to spend my prayer thinking about myself. You know, the things that are worrying me, um, the frustrations I have with someone, the frustrations I have with myself, uh, and silly things like, should I wash my hair today or tomorrow? You know, like, it's easy to spend my prayer really me-centered and not God-centered. But when I love is my motivation, and if that is why I'm praying, it orients my prayer in a totally new and real way. And so we should measure our prayer really in one way. And I seek him to fix the eyes of my heart upon God, and seek him to receive his love and to love him.
It's important that we're seeking or trying. It's key. Because God does not want us to judge our prayer. And He does not judge our prayer. He loves our prayer in the same way a dad loves his four-year-olds for watching drawing that's been brought home from kindergarten. He doesn't love it because the kid is an artistic genius. He loves it because that child tried to make something beautiful for him. And that's how God sees our prayer. That's how God loves our prayer. Because we always want to grow with the Lord, but we want to keep seeking to love Him through our prayer. And so we can discern perhaps how I'm loving the Lord. I thought of a small child. You, know, you see a small child fall over and they're injured. And you know that this child needs to be comforted, this child needs to be loved. So you comfort the child, you talk to them, you pet them, give them a kiss on the wound, a hug, and send them on their way. Now, in reflecting on that encounter, we don't think, did I love that child perfectly? That's not the right question. The question is, did I seek to love that child? Do I seek to love the Lord? Do I try to turn away from the distractions which inevitably come to all of us when we pray? Do I stay faithful to saying, yes, I'm going to be sitting here for 30 minutes or one hour and not cutting that short? Do I step out and reach out to my brother and sister and pray for them when I see something's wrong? This can also guide us in avoiding thinking about feelings too much when we pray. Instead of thinking, well, did that make me feel good? Because often we won't feel anything. And that's a good thing because God uses that to build our faith and our love. But instead of thinking in that way, we can think, well, did I seek to love? Was I really faithful in that prayer? So how and when to pray? Everything in our lives is an opportunity to grow in union with God. This means every moment. So these morning holy hours are at the centre of our life here, but they flow out. That stability and consistency of prayer needs to be at the centre, but it then flows out into a love for prayer and a desire for prayer, to live prayer, as Luke said. It really does start with organised prayer, to set aside time for God every day, to give him, a, to make him the priority, to give him the priority of our time. There's a Benedictine priest who passed away recently, and it's one of the, my favourite quotes on prayer. Hilary Ollensmeyer said, unless you believe that prayer is the best use of your time, you will not make time for prayer. So these blocks of time that we set aside are crucial. They're going to a daily mass during the week, spending time in adoration, praying the rosary, praying the scripture, singing prayers, interceding for others, these are crucial. And I just want to say a little about, about these, um, these types of prayer. We're going to have a teaching on the mass later in the mission school, so I'll leave that, but um, we really have to start with adoration. Because if we say what we believe, we say we believe what we say we believe, then we believe that that is really the dwelling place of the Lord, that Jesus Christ right now is present in the tabernacle. 
is exposed upon the altar, we are kneeling at the feet of God. Now, um, in many parishes and many places we go to, we can see that we don't realise, perhaps, that this is God. I know for myself, I spent my first 24 and a half years of life thinking that I was genuflecting to the crucifix. I had no idea that when I genuflected, when I walked to the church, that that was an act of adoration to God dwelling in a tabernacle. And so we need to know this and be aware of this. And I actually owe you all an apology because I didn't think very clearly at the beginning of this morning session. And I was thinking, oh, you know, that's right, everyone needs to say hello to a new person. And I forgot the importance of the silence in this church, of the reverence for the fact that the Lord is in the tabernacle. And I'm very blessed to be in a place where it's okay to make mistakes because we're loved. And we're all going to make mistakes. And the Lord knows that. But we owe Him so much. We owe Him our silence, we owe Him our love, and we owe Him our adoration. I don't go to adoration for myself. Jesus said, when I return, will there be faith on earth? When we kneel in adoration, we gaze at the Blessed Sacrament, who we believe is truly the body and blood of God. We love him and we adore him, and he does the rest. Someone said to me recently, and they're a very beautiful person, and they, um, yeah, I know they won't mind me sharing this, they said to me recently that one of the reasons they, they read books in adoration is because they don't have a lot of time to read books in spiritual reading. But the truth is we don't have a lot of time to sit in awe of God. So let us use our adoration really purely to really to gaze the Lord, to pray the rosary, to read the scriptures. But adoration is not a time to to just have some time out or um, to read a, read a life of the same. It's really a time to look at God. Because if we believe what we say we believe, He's making Himself available for us upon the altar. And He's pouring out His grace into our hearts. And that's why we start every morning with adoration. That's why this church is open in the afternoon for adoration. It's why in many places around the world, there's perpetual adoration. So that we can come and be with the Lord and adore Him and receive His love any time of the day. The rosary is the heart of our prayer and of our lives because our Lady walked with Christ and no one knew Him like she did. I didn't know anything about the life of Christ until my conversion four years ago. I really didn't know anything about his life. I learned about Jesus through the rosary, and there's no better teacher than Our Lady. She gave birth to him. She, she walked with him. She was there at the cross. Even after his ascension, she stayed faithful with those disciples in the upper room, praying for the Holy Spirit to come, that they would be able to go out and transform the face of the world 
Mary keeps us in awe of Jesus. It's impossible to get bored with our lady. Is a mother ever really bored with her child? She's constantly discovering something new, constantly loving her child in new and exciting ways. Mary keeps us in awe of the life of Christ. And our lady teaches us how to pray. If prayer is about relationship, no one lived a relationship with Jesus Christ more deeply, more authentically, or more lovingly than our lady. So let us let Mary teach us how to pray. And let us pray with the words of Christ himself in Scripture. To, to read the Gospels, to know the Gospels, to be seeped in Scripture, to lift our voices to Him as we sing praise together at Mission School. And David, the, the writer of the Psalms, he danced. He danced for God. And we hear in the Gospels that when Jesus would perform miracles and healings, that the people would leave praising God. That's why we praise him, because we believe he's God. And Father David is going to be teaching later in this mission school on praise. And finally, I want to mention as well praying for others, interceding for others. Because no man is an island. We're not cut off from those around us. There are people in our lives who need our prayers. I needed so much prayer. Tell you. Like I was so lost. I thought my life was great. I thought I had everything together. But once I experienced the love of God, I realized I'd been walking with a blindfold on. But people had prayed for me so hard. My brother and my sister had really prayed for me. And other people, people that I now realize I hadn't even met at the time, had been praying for me. People need your prayers. I pray for my family, my immediate family, each of them by name every day. That's a, that's a base starting point. But the Lord will put other people on your heart, people that you're meant to pray for regularly, maybe every day. Maybe there's someone that no one else is praying for, a soul in purgatory. But at that moment in the Mass, when the priest prays for the departed, you're meant to pray for that person. Maybe there's someone at school that nobody else wants, but is rejected. That person needs your prayers. I heard a very wise um, sister once say that we can only really receive from the Lord in contemplation if we have really given through intercession. And so when we pray for others, it frees us to receive what the Lord wants to give to us. Because He is so generous and He wants to reward generosity. times of specific prayer, we can turn our situations into prayer. When we struggle with someone, uh, when we're feeling worn out, when we're feeling weary, when we're confused, when we're trying to figure out what to study at university, what job to take, who to date, we can turn all of these situations into prayer. The Lord wants us to turn the situations in our life into an opportunity to draw near to Him. And we can seek our prayer. I want 
all these um, stolen kisses with God. Moments that he gives us where he wants, to, he wants us to just reach out to him in prayer, even for a moment. So for example, the genuflection. When I discovered that I was meant to be genuflecting to the crucifix, not to the crucifix, but to the tabernacle, I knew I never wanted to waste another moment of genuflection. And so I saw that opportunity to say, every time I genuflect, thank you Jesus, I love you Jesus. But whatever that was, to make it a prayer, that it would not be an empty act. You know, when we make the sign of the cross, we are declaring the death and resurrection and sovereignty of our God. That is the most incredible prayer. But it's so easy to do it without thinking. So let's take these moments that the Lord gives us and turn them genuinely into prayers. And then these moments that we wouldn't even think of being prayers, like the moment that you're in the shower, or the moment you start the car, or you know, the moment that maybe you, for example, a friend of mine um, met, a, met a man who had not baptised his baby girl. And as they were having a conversation about this baby and the baptism, they were talking a lot about soccer. And so my friend promised the other friend, he'll be a soccer man. Every time I hear about the Scottish soccer team, because he was Scottish, I will pray for you and for your baby and baptised. You know, like, so these little moments, God's, God's saying, be creative. A husband and a wife are creative in the way they love each other. So let us be creative in the way that we love God and receive his love. I want to finish by just these, with these few words that we live as we pray. So if prayer is the compass of our lives, which it must be as Christians, then to live as we pray is crucial. It means two things. The first is that Pray is to drink from the word of eternal life, from Jesus Christ. So therefore it gives us the fullness of life. In a sense, the more we pray, the more alive Because I pay people have life and have it to the full. So the more we enter into that relationship with God, the more life we have. And secondly, the way we pray influences the way we live. So if we choose to pray deeply, to pray lovingly, to pray humbly, this will affect our Christian life and it will affect our relationship with God. Before, um, before my conversion, many years earlier, before um, I suppose I entered into my adult years, I had a lot of suffering in my life and there was a lot of brokenness and a lot of pain. And I really came through that. But then with my conversion, I started to have these experiences of real doubt in the love of God. How can God love me if he let me live through this experience? How can God love me if I had those desires to take my own life when I was 10? Like, how can, how can I love God and let me feel that way? There was a real doubt. And I started to think, God doesn't love me. I'm worthless. God, God doesn't want me to receive communion. I started to think this. So before Mass, there'd be this huge struggle in my heart. I wouldn't want to go up to receive communion because I thought, no, I'm, I'm, I'm horrible to God. I'm, I'm shocking to God. God let me live through that because he doesn't, he can't love me. Therefore, I can't go and receive communion. 
And so there was this huge, huge struggle and temptation for me to, to resist him and to resist his life. And so I started praying. Instead of praying at the beginning, up, you know, before we walk up for communion, those moments after we prayed the Lamb of God, instead of spending that time saying, Lord, I'm so worthless, or Lord, how can you love me, or Lord, I started thanking God that he loved me enough to create me out of nothing, to dream me into existence, that his love was infinite for me, gratuitous, creative, that he has plans for me, that he has a home for me in heaven. I started thanking him for his love. And that changed my heart. see truly for the first time even the tiniest bit of the love that he has for me. So we live as we pray. Let us pray for love. Let us pray with faith and boldness that if Jesus said anything you ask in the Father's name I will give you that he means it. That was Jess Leach with To Pray Is To Love. For more talks from the Immaculate Mission School 2013, visit cradio.org.au.